Black Ralph. Let's go. I just turned dogs here. I just said it. morning New Hope Community Church if we can make our way back to our seats so we can step into the presence of God this morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Can we give a shout of praise to our Father? 
Just a quick announcement before we get started. I'm going to have Debbie come up, and she's going to speak on something for the women, and then we're going to get going. Thank you so much for that. Please, uh, let's take advantage of this opportunity to get involved. You know, this, uh, this Hope's Haven out here, God's going to really use this. God's really going to use this to give hope and change and impact the community, impact the lives of the ones that come. So this is a great opportunity for us to be, a, be involved from the, from the first part of it. So let's take advantage of that, okay? Say hallelujah. All right, y'all are awake out there. That's great. You know, uh, how many of you enjoy prayer and fasting? How many of you are lying? Now I tell you, uh, my wife and I actually started the week before y'all did because we're leaving town this next week. And so selfishly, I guess, we start, I started early because I wanted to be done to enjoy my vacation. We're on vacation, I always eat, live to eat instead of eat to live, right? So. Uh, here we are almost at the end of ours, and, and really every time I get involved in, in, in fasting and prayer, you know, fasting means not eating, right? Not eating. Every time I get involved in that, it seems like God sheds some things that have been hanging on to me, some things that aren't important. And so when you call a fast and you fast and you pray, it's like, the spirit within you rises up and you actually start becoming everything God's created you to be and the things of this world grow strangely dim so take this time and enjoy it press into who God is for you and who God wants you to be with him in you hallelujah so before we get started into this great time of worship I want to read a passage. Now I'm going to ask you to pay attention, all right, because it's, it's a few verses. But I want you to pay attention because I know we're used to it being on the screen and you might not see it on the screen, okay? So let me read this passage. Second Chronicles chapter 20. The king, is, the king of Judah at that time is Jehoshaphat, okay? Now it came up came about at that time that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon gathered with some of the Mennonites and came to make war against Judah and Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, 
and behold, they are even in En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid, turned his attention to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast through Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord together. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are thou not God in the heavens? Are thou not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. O Lord, our God, you drove out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel. Will you give it to the descendants of Abraham, thy friend, forever? Yes. And we lived in it and have built thee a sanctuary there for thy name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before the house and before you, Lord, for your name is in this house. And we will cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. And now behold the sons of Ammon, all those sons of all them different people, I'm not going to read their names again, who did not let Israel invade, come into their land when we came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them, and you told us, do not destroy them. Behold, now they are rewarding us by coming against us. You have given us this inheritance and they want to take it from us. O oh, our God, will thou not judge them? For we are powerless before them. This great multitude who is coming against us, we know we do not have power, but your eyes are on us. And all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Now, I know this is a long passage, all right? It's starting to get good, okay? Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophet Jehaziel. And he said, Jehaziel spoke and said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and listen, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, for the battle is the Lord's. What battle are you going through right now? You need to remember who God is to you personally. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeriel. You need not fight this battle. Station yourselves, stand, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And now listen how they went out. 
and the Levites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, the king, here's what the king did with the people. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, O Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those, he appointed those who sang to the Lord, and those who praised him in holy attire. And they, he set them to go out before the army and said, you go out in front, lead us, give thanks to the Lord, and for his loving kindness is everlasting. Now, here's the punchline. And when they began singing and praising the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against all their enemies. They came back after the victory and how they celebrated was the same way they went out, praising the Lord and giving him thanks for his goodness is everlasting. As we enter in this morning, we're coming to worship the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who sent the Lord Jesus Christ for us that we might know him, that we might enjoy him. And it tells us in Psalm 22, as we come in and worship him and give praises, he inhabits, sits enthroned upon our praises. He sits upon our praises. Whatever enemies you're facing, whatever uncertainty you're facing, whatever things in life aren't going well, throw your hands up and praise the Lord and see if he doesn't set ambushes against your enemy. Hallelujah, let's praise. God is so good. God is so good. Isn't he good? Let's give a shout of praise. Come on. We have been appointed to be the worshipers of the Lord. We are appointed. This is not a stage. This is an altar. The altars are open. The altars are open. God is so good. God already put it on my heart in Proverbs. And like, this is just like packing the punch. Exactly what he's saying. A wicked person puts on a bold face. How much, how often do we just play church? We, we, we act like we're bold in the Lord, but the upright one considers his way. Is my heart before the Lord? Am I entrusted to him? Am I worshiping him with all of my heart? Because it says no wisdom, no understanding, and no counsel will prevail against the Lord. And a horse is prepared for the day of battle. But where does the victory come from? The victory comes from the Lord. The victory comes from the Lord. So this is a place, we are opening this place up. This is an altar. It's open every single time we come in this place. We're here to be united under the banner of the Lord. And so you can join us in worship. You can lay things down, but we, we lay down our agendas. We lay down everything else. It's not even about winning the battles. It's about being in the presence of the Lord. That is our fight. That is our fight. Am I in his presence? In his presence, there's fullness of joy, healing, salvation, deliverance. 
Freedom from oppression. Freedom from bondage. Are you chained up? Are you chained up? Get free. Get loose today. Let's get loose. We need the fear of the Lord. We need the joy of the Lord. We need his presence. That's our salvation. That's our deliverance. So come, join us. Let's change the way we fight. Let's armor up in the way that the word says to do. Let's seek him to seek him. Oh, spirit. 
Man has not revealed this to me. Man has not revealed this to me. It's your spirit. Only by your spirit. Man has not. Church, I want you, God. No other spirit. No 
song who can feel the presence of the Lord in this place I know for a fact there's there are people in here God is speaking to you he's working in you right now he's been tugging at your heart and you've been slow in obedience slow in obedience to coming you know why are we fasting except to draw near to God if this is an altar and there's a practical way to, to apply your faith Obedience is better than sacrifice, you know? If he's wooing you, that means there's a good thing for you by stepping out and coming to the Lord. And we're about to sing about him being high and lifted up. If he is high and lifted up in your life, and this is a way as a church that we express exalting him above every other thing, every other person, every other situation, why would we not draw near? If he's wooing you, I encourage you to step out. He loves you so much. Sometimes he wants us to step out and test us and see, is he going to do it? Because if I can trust him with this, I can trust him with so much more. If I can trust him, if I can trust her to step out, step out in this little way, I can, I can trust him with this job I want to give him. I can trust with healing in this family situation that I want to do for her because she has the character to hold it, the integrity, you know? Let's, let's do it. Let's draw near together. Let's not stop this. Let's press in. That's why we fast. That's why we pray. I'm here for you, Jesus.
still before you, Jesus. We lift our banner of praise in this place. Thank you, Lord. I lift my banner of praise. Tell me where to go. Send me. I lift my banner of praise. Tell me Tell me to be free. I'm free. 
as we get ready for tithes and offering.
know, during, during this time of service, I want us to recognize that, that God loves you so much that he pours out his blessings upon you so that you can be a blessings to others. Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and he says this in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. Now, now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. But let each one do just as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God came to you with love, and he reaches down in your heart to show you what love is. And all the blessings that are poured out upon you, he says, be good stewards of all that I give you. Love deeply from the heart. Give as I gave for you. So as, as we come forward now with the ushers getting ready to receive the offering, think about how God is using this place. We got the men's house. We got Hope's Haven. We got a great vision of reaching the whole community. Just ask God to put on your heart what we, he would have you to give so that so that we can help increase his kingdom God doesn't want your money he wants your heart money's just the currency of this world but in this world God will use it so we can reach the lost and raise up his kingdom Father we just thank you that you count us worthy to be stewards of all that you give us. I pray now, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just continue to work in our heart. Help us trust you with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge you as our Father. And trust that you lead and guide us, even in giving. Let us be good stewards. In Jesus' name, amen.
service, Lord. Allow us to come with empty vessels so that we can receive this morning, Lord. Uh, put a special protection upon the kids as they get ready to hear your word, Lord. Lift them up. Lift them up, Father. Show them you this morning, Lord. Allow them to see you this morning, Father. Give these teachers the strength to preach and teach your word to these kids, Lord. And show them your glory. And show them, Lord. Father, as we get ready to enter into this message, Lord. Everybody standing up, turn around and greet somebody. Or stand up and turn around and greet somebody. Yes. Of course I do. Of course I mind. I'll get you a mic so they can hear. All right.
Amen. 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 You know, it's funny. Uh, when I first came to truly understand that, that my life was going nowhere, or I didn't know where my life was going, the scripture God gave me was uh, to the church of Laodicea. And Revelations 3. And in Revelations 3, it says to the church of Laodicea, you think that you have everything. You think you got everything going on. You're all that. He said, but you're lukewarm. And I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It's funny because I, I grew up in Tennessee. And so when I read that scripture, just randomly sitting in my den, I saw a picture of Kentucky bluegrass field and me sitting on a white picket fence. And you might think I'm crazy, but I heard a voice inside me say, when are you going to get off the fence? I said, no, I'm good where I am. I think I'll sit here and figure it out. He said, the devil owns the fence, you know. And I remember that day I closed my Bible and I looked at my wife I said, I'm going to follow the Lord. And she's like, that's great. What does it mean? I didn't know. But because of that, it set my heart to seek him. And God filled in the pieces like he always does. You know, not by power, me trying, not by my might, but by his spirit. Turn to him, draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. So thank you for the word. And you know, that's, that's the thing. I realized right then I didn't have a clue what it meant to be in a relationship with him. And if you told me be on fire for him, I'd been like, dude, I'm just trying to figure out what life's all about. And for once I put God in the picture and turned to him and he led me to it. Um, thank you for the word, good word. Before I get started, I, I want you to allow me a privilege to do something here. Thank you. You didn't give me permission, but you know, God puts check marks in your life all along the way. If you've been living as long as I have, you can see how God put somebody in your life way back when, just when you needed it, you know? At the time, you might not have realized it, but when you get a few years behind, you'll realize God used it just for you. And uh, 37 years ago, probably this month, <clears throat> I went through one of the hardest things I went through. It was my last year in the Marine Corps, and I was in Okinawa, Japan, 2,300-something miles away from home, 22 years old, 
working as a military police in the Marine Corps, working all kinds of hours. And, uh, you know, at 22, you handle heartbreak differently than you would at 60. But I remember uh, one night I said, God, I, I had this terrific heartbreak back home and nobody to talk to. It was my last year in the Marine Corps. I didn't have one other Christian I knew. I said, God, I can't do this. You got to help me. I need somebody. Help me. I decided the next day, well, I'm going to go work out. At least I can go work out at the gym. I met this young man here. Come here. Come here, buddy. God brought this man in my life that day. He was working at the gym. He was my Christian buddy. <laughs> this man right here, 37 years later, we're still standing next to each other. I love you, buddy. Love you. We started reading our Bible together, working out together, and uh, tell me God can't find you in Okinawa, Japan, if he can find you there on a tiny island and bring somebody you need. There's nothing he can't do. This man stood beside me. We've been best friends since. And I was thinking of that song you sang up here where it said, uh, tell me where to go, send me. Well, we've always, me and my wife have always been in the South our whole life. We started praying a couple years ago, Lord, we want a new adventure. Where you want us to go, we'll go. Out of all the places, he sent me to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and the only person I knew in Pittsburgh was Mark and Renee. And you know what? Mark and Renee said, if God said, come, come on up here and we'll give you jobs until God shows you what to do. And by no means am I a plumber, but Mark still used me somehow. All right. Hey, I'm just going to give a plug to you. I know he doesn't want me to, but Veteran Plumbing Services. <laughs> veteran Plumbing Services. You need a good plumber that's honest, God-fearing, God-loving man. <laughs> veteran Plumbing Services. All right, now I'm supposed to preach, right? <clears throat> I got to tell some jokes first. They might be bad jokes, but lady goes up, goes up steps, knocks on her son's door from inside. What? What do you want? It's time for you to get up Sunday morning, get dressed. You're going to be late for church. I'm not going. She's like, why are you not going to church? She said, I'll give you two reasons. I don't like those people. And number two, they, those people don't like me. She said, well, I'll give you two reasons why you are going to go. She's like, what? Number one, you're 54 years old. And number two, you're the pastor.
Now, that's not why Rick isn't here today, by the way. <laughs> Older man, retired, moved in with his son, lived on a little back of his house. He had a little lake, more of a pond that fed into a lake, and he loved to fish. His son brought him down and said, hey, come, come live with us, finish your life doing what you want to do, fish every day and spend time with God out on the pond. So that's what he did every day. Well, one day he goes out and he's on the pond. He's sitting there. It's just quiet as can be in the morning. Everything is calm. And he hears, hey, pick me up. He looks around and he says, Lord, is that you speaking to me? So he casts a couple more times and he hears it again. Hey, can you hear me? Pick me up. He looks around. All of a sudden he sees a little wave in the, in the pond. He looks down, sees this frog sitting on a lily pad. He says, are you talking to me? Talking to me? He says, yeah, pick me up. You're a talking frog? Yes, pick me up and kiss me. I'll turn into this most incredible woman and I'll marry you and be your wife. He turns, cast a few more times. The frog says, well, what are you waiting on? So he thinks, okay, I'll pick up the frog. So he bends over, picks up the frog, puts him in his shirt pocket. A couple minutes later, the frog says, hey, I said, kiss me, and I'll be the most incredible woman you've ever seen, and you can marry me. Pulls it out of his pocket, looks at the frog, puts it in front of his face, and puts it in the pocket. Frog says, hey, what are you doing? Didn't you hear what I said? Oh, I heard you okay. But I'm thinking at my age, I'd rather just have a talking frog. <laughs> you got time for one more, two more? Just one? Well, one short one. <laughs> steps, steps, steps to prepare tofu. Steps to prepare tofu. Step number one. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> Step number two, grill some meat. <laughs> Man, I, I thought it was funnier than that. Oh, I got one more I really want to tell. All right, 20 years ago or so, I, as, as pastoring, also became a corporate chaplain and chaplain with different companies. And this one company I was a chaplain of was Coca-Cola. And there was an employee that died from Coca-Cola. And we had visitation one night. And then the next day, there was going to be a graveside service. But nobody was going. He had no family. And so the funeral director asked me, will you go or meet me there and at least do a graveside prayer service? I said, well, certainly, I'll go. I'll go. Well, we lived in South Carolina. In South Carolina, there's cemeteries all over these country roads. 
Sometimes they don't even have signs. You just see the cemetery. So the funeral director had given me the address, but GPS didn't always work out there in the country. So I get in my car, I'm going, I'm running a little bit late, take me about 30 minutes to get there. I spilt coffee on my shirt, my tie. Uh, I stopped at a convenience store thinking I could find something to help it with. And I'm like, and then I was like, why am I doing this? Nobody's going to be there but me and the funeral director. But anyway, so I'm driving to it. The GPS is leading me. And then all of a sudden it goes blank. And I remember the last thing I saw on my GPS was I was two, three miles away. So I said, well, I'll just keep going down this road. And then I noticed, I'm like, man, I'm about 20 minutes late already. So I'm driving down this road. I see this one just cemetery. There's no, no action there. Nobody's digging anything. And uh, so I said, well, this must not be it. So I kept driving. And all of a sudden, I came upon this little country church. And it has a cemetery next to it. And I could see there was some equipment there. So I pulled in there. And on the back side of the church, right next, very back of the cemetery there was some guys that had dug the freshly dug grave and and they were sitting over there on the on the end under the trees eating lunch or taking a break I said well I guess I missed the funeral director because I'm late so nobody's here and I'm sitting in my car I said well you drove all the way out here go do a service for this guy so I got out I walked up with my bible and I noticed there was like a crude vault in the ground. And I was like, okay. And so I stood there and I, I read Psalm 23 and I read John 14. And I lifted my hands and I said, Lord, I just praise you that this is not the end. This is the beginning. I praise you, Lord, that when we pass from this earth, we fall into the hands of a perfect loving father and we can trust you. Lord, we just give you praise. I give you praise for this man's life. I praise you that you are good, that you're always faithful. And I thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So that was it. So I turned and I walked off. I waved to the guys and I walked off. They nodded at me. They're, one of them's kind of laughing. I didn't know why. And uh, so I'm walking off and I hear one of them say, well, in all my 33 years of doing this, i never seen a preacher come out here and pray for and pray over a septic tank. <laughs> well, praise God, I hope that septic tank's still flowing good today, right? <laughs> mm. That was a well-spent day. Well-spent. Um, this morning, I want to talk, talk about something that that led me to understanding how to be victorious in this thing we call the Christian life. You see, because many years I felt like I was trying hard to get better, working hard at being a better Christian, and felt like I was had something around me dragging me, holding me down. 
And I didn't understand what it was until God gave me wisdom from the book of Revelation. Revelation. I don't know, I got that Laodicea on my mind. Not the book of Romans. He gave me revelation to understand that once you get what I've already done for you, you're now ready to run the race that I set before you. But until you get understanding of who I am and who you are with me, you're not going to run this race in a way that leads to victory. So this morning I want us to talk about, or I want to talk about my personal journey and understanding how to win this race by operating in something called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Before I got that understanding of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, my life felt like I was dragging around a dead body. You ever see that movie Weekend at Bernie's? Did you ever see that? I didn't see it, but I understand the premise. They were propping up a dead body. The whole weekend, they're carrying around a dead body and propping him up. Sad thing is, most people didn't know he was dead and still didn't notice. But that's how our life is if we carry around our past once we've come into a new relationship with Jesus. All right? So today I want us to look at a couple scriptures. I'm going to actually have one on the screen for you, hopefully. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read these passages. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Next. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'm going to develop the foundation here, and then the next two points will go real quick, okay? But I'm going to spend a few minutes on this, because we have to have the foundation. If you were to, if you want to study this great passage, look at Romans 5 through 8. And as you open up Romans 5 through 8, ask God, show me the truth. Show me the revelation I need. 
Because Paul wrote to the Roman churches, he wrote to the Roman Empire basically saying, let me show you what you need to know about who Jesus is and the so what of what that means for you. Let me ask you a question as we get started. First of all, <clears throat> can you all raise your hands? I want to see if they work. They work? All right, good. I'm setting you up. Now I know your hands work. I got a question for you. Now I'm going, I'm going to give you a multiple choice question. I'm going to read all the answers first, so don't be raising your hands now, okay? So if you are looking at your life, you know, and you're thinking, okay, Knowing who I am, knowing how my life is going, would you say that God is, A, extremely happy with me, B, somewhat happy with me, or C, knowing how I'm going right now, he's probably not really happy with me at all. So now I'll repeat it. Would you say that God is extremely happy with you? A, raise your hand. I know your hands work now. Number two, somewhat happy with me. Or three, probably not very happy with me right now. All right. We'll get to the answer. Whatever I talk about today, I want you to remember this. Just like 1 Timothy 1.5 says, the goal of all instruction is love from a pure heart with a clean conscience and a sincere faith. So everything we talk about today, everything that somebody opens the scriptures to, always comes back to God's love for you so that you can enjoy his love and become love all right so as you hear instruction it's always about God's love Proverbs 4 chapter 20 through 23 echoes this but he echoes the importance of knowing what God says Solomon who's the wisest man before Jesus God had given him this great wisdom and so he's passing on his wisdom to his son in chapter 4 of Proverbs he says Above all else, attend to my word. Make it a priority in your life. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And then he says this, above everything else I've said, guard your heart with all vigilance. Put a guard around it. Put a cohort of soldiers around it. Because out of the heart flows all the issues of your life. So I want to talk about the heart today. And as we get this, as you get the heart of the Lord's message to you, you're going to start running in this life in him and with him in a way that's going to lead to victory. Now, what held me up for years was thinking, 
if I'm on the right path with the Lord, then it's a bed full of roses. It's just going to be like constantly this, going up, with no resistance. Anybody thought that when they first came to Christ? And then what happens when you hit the first rock? Or the first thing knocks you down? You're like, what am I doing wrong? One of, the, one of these minutes I'll get this mic where I like it. Maybe. Is that better? Ah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, we'll play with this one. Um, Jesus told us before he left, indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, or Paul said that, will be persecuted. Jesus said in this world you will have many tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome them all. Okay? So, the first thing I had to realize was following the life in life of Christ didn't mean there would not be struggles. Did not mean there wouldn't be storms. The disciples had the storms with Jesus in the boat. They killed Jesus. He said, if they've hated me, they'll hate you. So that wasn't the answer for me. So what was the answer? Well, the answer comes from the very beginning. The very beginning in the book of Genesis it says, it says that men, man and woman, sinned. And Paul says this, when Adam sinned, in Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, death spread to all men. Well, why did death spread to all men? He says, because all sinned. But if you go back to the very picture of the garden, when the serpent comes upon Adam and Eve, Think about this. They had everything. They walked and talked with God in the cool of the garden. They had everything that God wanted them to have. There was nothing that God wanted them to have that they didn't have. How could the accuser tempt them? They had everything. And yet, the accuser found something to tempt them with. And then, he cast doubt on God. When the Eve saw that the fruit was desirous to eat, to look at, and to eat, so it was something that he put in front of them that stirred up, and then he said, you won't really die, but if you eat this, you'll be like God. Until that moment, Adam and Eve thought, we have it all. We have everything. We're gods. We have everything. And then all of a sudden, the accuser comes in front of them and says, ah, but you lack one thing. There's one thing you don't have. And so in that moment, Eve, and it does says Adam was with her, even though I'd love to say, God, it's that woman you gave me, right? Don't be hitting your wife. In that moment, they partook of something out of a perceived lack of need. 
And when they did that, one thing that did happen up was all of a sudden, self was exalted. Before then, there was no self-exaltation. There was no focus on me. It was all walking in communion with God, enjoying who he said they were, and enjoying that he says you have it all. Whatever I have is yours. I created you for this, to know me and to enjoy me. But because of the fall, what we call the fall, self rose up, self starts exalting self, and self looks at its environment totally different. Instead of being overly content in all that God has given them, all they can see is perceived lack and fear. All love and all trust had been broken, and now they're in lack and fear. Look at, look at your life apart from God. How many perceived needs drive you? How does lack drive you? How does not having what you think you need make you cast doubt on God and fear the future? Maybe God won't come through this time. Maybe God's not really with me. You know, life would be better if you had this. If you could just get the right job, the right woman, the right man, the right house. If you could just pay your bills. If I just didn't have all this lack. Why is God holding out on me? Why is God letting this happen? Why do I even go to church? Oh my gosh, you go to church with all them feelings in you. Huh. You know, the word perversion means crooked. And because of sin, all this lack, all this fear, all this doubt of this picture between God and man that's why we need Jesus. Jesus came to set what was perverse, crooked, back to being made straight. Adam sinned, and in that moment, lack, fear, mistrust came into the picture. And then death spread to all men. Get this, it didn't just spread to all men because of Adam. It says in Romans 5.12, it spread to all men. Death spread to all men because all sinned. And that sin opens up a totally different perspective on how you see the world and how you see God. Now, that's Romans 5.12. 
But Romans 5, 17 says, Hallelujah, the offense came through one man, which led to many transgressions. But the cure came through Jesus Christ. And it says, those who believe in Jesus Christ and continue to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, being in right relationship with God, shall reign in life. One translation, Weymouth's translation says, shall reign as kings in life. Goes right along with Revelations 1 where it says, I've made you kings and priests. Goes right along with Peter where it says you're a royal priesthood. Goes right along with the rest of Romans where it says you're a joint heir with Christ. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Now what happens is, is we come into a relationship with God. Many of us come in like I did. You come into a Methodist church and at age 12, you get up here, you bow down, you go through confirmation, they put some water on your head, and they say, you're good. Now go have a good life. Okay, do good, don't do bad. Be a good Christian. Okay, what, what the heck does that mean? They don't teach you about a relationship. They don't tell you, whew, they don't tell you what's been restored to you and who you now are. So here's what I want, I want us to get across. So now we understand the foundation was, basically I was screwed up, saw God in the wrong picture, thought I had all this lack and all this need, thought God was holding out on me, had all this doubt, and now I'm over here, and 517 says I've been made right with God, and I have, will continue to receive as long as I stand under him, the abundance of grace. Grace means his presence, his power, his enablement to live like Christ did in this world. How many of you want to live like Christ did in this world? The rest of you don't know what you're missing. That's what we're shooting for. The Bible says we're going to be continually conformed more and more into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. You might look at me. You might look at me and say, well, I don't see Jesus. Well, I ain't done yet. Because he's still working. And it says in Philippians 2, it's his good pleasure. His good pleasure. Can you imagine that? He looks at each of you and he says, it's my good pleasure. My good pleasure to will and to do and work inside of you. He loves shaping us into that one of, he says we're each a one of a kind masterpiece. He loves shaping us. As long as we stay on the potter's wheel, he loves shaping us more and more into that masterpiece. He says, wait until the world gets a load of this. And he keeps working. He keeps working. So, now that we have the foundation, I want us to help understand what's keeping us. By the way, just curious. In him was life, and life was the light of all men, right? We're celebrating life in Jesus Christ, right? I don't know why I got on. It's trivial, but I'm just curious. What's the fascination with death and skeletons? Come on now. Somebody tell me why I see skeletons in everybody's yard, skeletons in their houses, skulls and crossbones. Had nothing to do with Jesus. 
all them other leaders of all them other religions, you can dig up their graves and find bones and skulls and maybe make you a skeleton. My God's living. My God's living. Let's celebrate Jesus. Quit celebrating death. The world is celebrating death and wanting you to enjoy it too. Can you imagine that? Why did I get on that path? I don't know how his brain works sometimes. Lord, trust you. Lord, get me back. Oh. All right. So, weekend at Bernie's, it's like a Christian dragging around a dead man all the time. You ever talk to somebody and in the first five minutes, you just ask them, you know, hey, just glad to meet you. How you doing? Tell me something about yourself. Or you don't even ask that and they tell you their whole history. I said, well, how are you doing in, how are you doing in the Lord? How are you growing in the Lord? Well, you know, my, my whole family's, you know, my whole family's always had mental issues. And, and, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, all my family on my dad's side has died of cancer before they're 40. And, you know, if you'd grown up like I did, you'd know how hard it is to live this life. You know, Christian life ain't easy for somebody like me. You know, if you'd known what I went through, it ain't easy. You might as well get their testimony, tie a 100-pound weight plate around their leg, and let them start walking with it. There's so many people paralyzed by their past, traumatized, paralyzed by their past, that paralyzes them in the present and keeps them from even thinking about a future. Jesus said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How many are you in Christ? Cut loose. Cut that chain. Cut loose of all guilt, shame, condemnation about the past, things you can't change, all the hurts, all the things you went through, all the victories that you had according to the world's standards. How many were seeking the ladder of success and raised up by the world? Paul says, I was on the high life. I had everything. If you read Philippians 3, I had everything. Everybody honored me. I was going places. I was the one. Now I found Christ. All that's like manure. Or we say in Tennessee, hockey puck. Right? Just doodly squat. I give it all up and count it all as loss that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And I quit looking at what's behind, and I strive for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What we thought was life was nothing but the death of sin and lack. Apart from him, you can have no life. But in him, there's fullness of life. And of his fullness, if you believe, receive Christ, of his fullness, you have received and grace upon grace, which is like where we lived at the beach, wave upon wave. It never ends. You got it. Everything that Christ has, everything pertaining to life and godliness has been placed in you. You're now a partaker of the divine nature. You think who created this world? You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. You're a co-heir with Christ. And he says you're a partaker of the divine nature. You've been baptized into Christ. You're now one with him. Has, has anybody ever planted 
grafted in trees, or my mom used to graft in hydrangea plants, and they would just spread, spread, spread. Do you know when she first grafted it in, all she did was put it together, put a brick on it? But do you know two years later when they were growing and you went and inspected those branches, you couldn't tell them apart. They're seamless. They're one. Everybody who has been brought into Christ is one spirit. What's Christ? Well, that part. Okay, well, what part is you? That part. So you're telling me it's him? Yeah. And you? Yeah. How do you see yourself? Hey, you know the Treasury Department. They say in the Treasury Department they have, they have a thousand, over a thousand some forgeries every six months or so and the workers there have to be able to tell their forgeries does anybody know how they tell the the forgeries or forgeries and not the real thing I mean with a thousand different ones coming in how do they get so good at that anybody know huh I can't say it again that's it they don't study the forgeries. They study the real thing. They know the real thing so much, they detect the forgeries. We need to know who God says we are. The greatest crime going on in the church today is identity theft. Not knowing who you are. And letting Weekend at Bernie's guy try to keep speaking greater than the Word of God. Keep telling you, this is who you are. This is who you always be. This is who other people say you are. It's got to be true. The Word of God says, when you come to Christ, you're a new creation. It says, the old is gone. The new has come. Weekend at Bernie's, you were over here under the dominion of darkness. Jesus comes, you're in the kingdom of the beloved son, the kingdom of light. When Bernie starts calling from the grave, we, they had a saying back, they had a thing they did back in the 90s for those who were living then. Talk to the hand. I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not listening to you anymore. You don't speak my language. It's kind of like you have a job and you're over here, you're working this job at Shop and Save. You work this job and then, all right, let's go. I stocked shelves for many years. You're working this job, working this job. And then somebody offers you a better job, better pay, and you go take this job. So you're over here doing this job for a month. And your boss, Bob, where's Bob? Where's Bob? Bob, you're the builder. You're, you're the boss from shopping. Say. Bob calls and says, hey, look here, Dave. This, 
this store is getting trashed and you're not here taking care of it. I need you to get in here and get this done. You understand? So what am I going to say? All right, Bob, I'll be there as soon as I can. I'm going to say, Bob, you ain't my boss no more. I don't work for you anymore. Many people, weekend at Bernie's, they're still, still dragging around that identity of what everybody's told them, how they've been beat down, pressed down, and they stay over here, and they drag, try to drag it over here and say, well, I'll have Christ in that. Let me tell you something. Doing that, you don't understand who you are in Christ because when Christ came, he didn't just say, all right, devil, move over. We're going to share this space now. He says, you're out of here. You've got to know who you are. When I come up and I ask somebody who they are, they're going to tell me about their family, tell me about their job, tell me about where they live, and tell me the biggest three problems going on in their life. Right? And because I'm a, a pastor or a chaplain, they're going to, you know, be spiritualize it and say, you know, hey, keep me in prayer, will you? And they're going to tell me the biggest challenges in their life. Do you know God's made you the head and not the tail? Do you know that God said you're more than conquerors in this life through his great love? Do you know that you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth? Do you know that when God thinks about you, you wake up in the morning and it says God twirls about thinking about you and dances and sings over you? Do you know that God says, if you can count the numbers of the grains of the sand on the seashore, greater are my thoughts for you? You know, God says, I've already signed my half of the check. You're a joint heir with Christ. Sign it. Take what you want. It's all yours. You hear the message of the prodigal son. Prodigal son. We, we focus on the prodigal son that went out and blew his dad's money, half of the money. But I love the part that says he came to a census. After he, just like Solomon does at the end of Ecclesiastes, right? Take the prodigal son and Solomon. They had everything that money could buy and they could do whatever they wanted with it. And it says the prodigal sons came to his senses and comes home and finds out home is where the heart was and home is where the treasure was because where your heart is, therefore also will be your treasure. Well, we focus on that guy, but what about the elder son that didn't know who he was either? Elder son says, look, this derelict whining horror-raising monger comes home and you throw him a party. All these years I've stayed in your house. All these years I've done everything you've asked me to do. You never threw me a party. And the father says to him, I bet with tears in his eyes, son, all I have is yours. Take it. I don't like time. Time is not my friend. I finished one point. 
we got to know who God says we are, not just, not just. We've got to know who God says we are, and not just here. It's got to come from here. It's all about the heart. Guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows everything. Guard your heart. If you don't know who you are, you can't operate out of truth. God's word is truth, all right? God's word is truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything's wrapped up in that. And if you're now placed into Christ, you got to know who you are. You got to know the word of God. The first thing I did when I got off my chair right after that and said, I want to follow the Lord, didn't know what it meant. But for some reason, I wanted to know the word of God, which should make sense now because Jesus says, set them apart for me, sanctify them, set them apart unto me to be with me by your truth. Your word is truth. First thing I wanted to do was come to know him. I was driving for UPS, so you spend all the time on the road, driving down the road. I said, I know what I can do. I can memorize scriptures. So I took three by five cards. Every day I'd add a, add a verse on a three by five card. And your, your trusted UPS driver that drives so securely down the road was driving down the road, memorizing verses. Worse than texting and driving, but you know, whatever. The verse kept me on the road somehow. But you feed on the word of God. It says, come to God. Therefore, I urge you, brother, brethren, misses, misters, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Bow down before the Father. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of service. Then it says, be transformed, do not conform, be pressed into the mold of this world anymore. Don't be pressed into the stuff of Bernie, be pressed into the stuff of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll know what God's will is for your life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You get to know the word, the word changes you. And before you know it, that word in you brings out all the way, the truth, and the life. Notice this, though. It's never on you. You draw near to God, he draws near to you. You've been baptized into Christ, and the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in you to teach you all things, to raise you up, to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you into all truth. And Isaiah says, as you're going along with this spirit in you, you'll hear a word from coming from behind saying, go this way. Go this way. He's with you to be in you to make you like Christ so that the world sees Jesus living in and through you. And your heart will stay clean. That's the reason I love prayer and fasting because prayer and fasting lets you find out what's got its claws in you. What's trying to tell you 
is important that's of no importance. You know, ships come into dry dock all the time because they have to be inspected and made sure they're seaworthy. They lift them up out of the, out of the ocean, and what they do is they start scraping the barnacles off. All the stuff that's attached itself to the ship that slows it down and keeps it from doing what it was designed to do. And they inspect the, all the material around it, see if it's still seaworthy. Is there anything that needs to be patched up and changed? But the first thing they do is scrape off all the barnacles. Those things that attached itself to it to drag it down. Prayer and fasting, pressing into the Lord. Now you've got to be praying too. A lot of people fast and they don't pray. You know what you do? Might as well go eat. You're just starving yourself. Ain't doing no good. But crucifying that flesh and the things of this world that's attached itself to you, spending more time with God, changes your whole perspective. And the beauty of it is, when you get in 20 days of not eating, just drinking, man, you can't open... You can't open up the Bible and not see Revelation jump off the page. I mean, I, somebody told me they didn't believe me the other day. I said, open the Bible. They opened it up to Hosea. Man, it just came alive to me. And they're like, wow, you serious? So now I see Hosea in Psalms. I see Hosea in the book of John. I see Hosea in the book of Acts. It's everywhere. You know, People really think when preachers take off their watch, they're actually cognizant of the time. I just want to fool you. I only got two more things I want to say, but it'll take me 30 minutes. I know, I know, I know. All right, I'll just, I'll cover the, I'll just cover the highlights. Maybe. I did have something I wrote down here that I thought was good. Okay, okay, okay. I got to cover the highlights. All right. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. All right. You've been in weekend for Bernie's for however many years before you came to Christ. Dragging around, I'm using it as dragging around the things of the world and what people said about you, okay? Now, in, uh, in this new life in Christ, in this new life in Christ, you got a new identity, who you are in Christ. But you don't really know it from the heart yet Romans 10 17 says faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God it's a voice activated it's a voice activated faith does that make sense you know Alexa play this right everybody know Alexa nobody knows Alexa wow all right hey thank you thank you for that one hand in the back I, I appreciate that I'm glad somebody's listening. The other people are just looking at their watch. Okay. It's a voice-activated faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Not many people are going to be coming up to you and speaking faith words over you or speaking faith words to you or speaking the Word of God to you, although that's what the body is supposed to be doing to each other. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, building each other up in the body, right? But... Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Voice activate. You need to speak it. You need to be speaking the truth to yourself. When you speak it out loud, your ears hear and your faith grows. Got it? 
You've got to speak it out loud. You can't expect just to grow without faith coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So speak it out loud, and you'll start seeing your faith grow. It says, there's power of life and death in the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. Power of life and death in the tongue, and those who enjoy it shall eat the fruit thereof, whether it be for death or for life. What you speak is what you get. Well, I can't ever get anything to work out for me. You know, I know something bad going to happen because everything's going good right now. I'm just waiting for the foot to drop on the other, on the other side. Because every time something goes right, two things go wrong. Yeah, I know blue sky's out today, but there's a storm coming tomorrow. And really, as I look at that blue sky, it ain't really that blue anyhow. You know, I bet it's blue over in that, what do you call it, that car carabiner, Caribbean. I bet it's bluer over there. Why do we not have it over here? Those are people I call Eeyore people. You know Eeyore? Well, they're getting just what they speak. They're getting just what they speak. You have a voice-activated faith. So, what law are you operating out of? The law of sin and death? Or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? I told Pastor Rick, I'll be glad, I'll be honored to have the opportunity to speak. And I said, I'll be doubly honored because I can preach like a man leaving town because we're flying out of town next week. You can pick up the pieces. Amen. What law are you operating out of? Over here in the law of sin and death, you're dragging around a weight. Over here in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you should be on an airplane. The law of sin and death works on the law of gravity. It's always pulling you down. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus works on the law of aerodynamics. Thrust, lift, power, the Holy Spirit lifting you high above so that you're in this world but not of the world. That you go through the troubles with something greater in you than what's going on in the world. That you have overcome by the power of the blood, the word of your testimony, not loving your own life unto death because you're up here selling with the king. You're in first class as citizens of heaven. What law are you operating under? Is all you can see is lack? All is you see is fulfillment. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you're enjoying the presence, you know, in his presence is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. In his right hand are pleasures forever, and you're seated in the right hand with Jesus Christ. How can I be down when I'm up? How can I be in lack when I have it all? What's your perspective? Align your compass. Prayer and fasting will align your compass. It'll help you see what's important. Help you see where you're really at. Help you see what your focus is on. 
some of y'all might know that I'm finishing with this, I promise. My wife said I've heard that before. Some of you might know that I took a job as the as the Beaver County chaplain in the jail. And, you know, on the front end, what you always want, what, what you always hear him say, or hear the cops say is, I think they get it straight from the theologian Beretta. Anybody remember Beretta back in the 70s? The TV show Beretta? He was famous for, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Because sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. But what I see a lot of times is people come in this jail, they do their time. They pay their time. They do what they had to do. But what breaks my heart is they get out, and whether it be because of society they get out into, or because of the time they spent, they drag that around the rest of their life. They think that is their identity forever. Now we might easily say, oh, I see why it shouldn't be that way. Now take the jail out of it and think of your life, all your history, all your background, all your experiences, all your baggage. And just say, am I still hooked up here to Bernie? Or have I cut that loose? Have I jettisoned that cargo? And I'm riding high with the king of glory. And whatever he has for me, none of that affects me anymore. Father, just thank you for this living and active word. You tell us your word is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to even dividing soul and spirit, both joints and marrows, and even able to determine and discern the thoughts and the intent of our heart. Father, I pray that you work in their heart. Maybe this word today that you spoke, your word, your living and active word, will change lives, change hearts, set them on a trajectory just flying with you. There might be somebody in here in this house today that says, you know what, I've been holding on to Bernie, dragging him around forever. I've been a prisoner, I've made my own prison out of my own past experiences in life. And I thought it was always going to be a part of me, but I'm ready to shed that right now. Maybe there's some here that have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they want to be set free. If that's you today, you say, you know what? I'm tired of this life. I want to have Christ in my life. If that's somebody here today, I'm just going to ask, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And maybe some of you, for the first time today, realize I need an identity check. I need to change from the inside out of how I understand who I am. If you understood this for the first time today, I'm just, I'm just asking out of curiosity. Raise your hand. All right.
All right, good, good. Those of you who have said, you know, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ. I'm ready to receive life and shed this death. I'm ready to walk in this new life, this new creation. Those that raised your hand, just I'm just going to ask you, Jesus says, step out in public in front of your brothers and choose me and I'll honor you before my Father. So I'm going to ask you, just come forward. Come forward. The ones that raised your hand, come on. Come on. Come on forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. Come on forward. Come on forward. All right. I had a couple people raise their hands, but they're not coming forward. The reason we ask people to come forward is not to embarrass anybody. The reason we ask you to come forward is this a reminder to you of this day that you gave your life and said yes to the Lord. And the whole body of Christ is supposed to lift you up and carry you and encourage you along the way. So it lets them know, hey, this person's now in the family. Let's get beside them and go with them. So I'm not going to beg, I'm not going to plead, but I'm going to say, hey, if you raised your hand, this is your opportunity. Come forward. Come forward. Don't be ashamed. Don't be fearful. You're, you're coming forward to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that brings you out of death and gives you life. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you love us, that you're for us, and that you're with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And as we recognize you and draw near to you, you draw near to us. Lord, show us during this time of prayer and fasting what compass adjustments we need to make, what things of the world have their claws in us, where are we expecting that we have lack because we're looking at the world and not at you. Where are we fearful because your perfect love has not cast out all fear in our heart. Lord, we draw near to you. We trust in you. We thank you that you're with us and that you're for us and that you're going to lead us to victory, operating in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for Pastor Davis and that message? It's funny, as he was talking, he was saying, you know, when you guys raise your hands and you guys want to come to Christ, and I was saying that where he's not doing, we don't do this to embarrass you guys. It's just we do this so you guys can be entered into our family that we have here. And when you submit yourself and get yourself out of this world, you gain things that God wants you to gain. And this church is a family, and some of you guys may be vulnerable, some of you guys may be struggling, but this church is a family. And when you open up and you surrender your heart, that's when the church can come in and help you. So don't be afraid to let loose and let God. Don't be afraid to, to come up here and worship. Don't be afraid because that's what God wants. If you want to have somebody to your left and your right, let go and let God. Because right? you are high and lifted up. You are high.
service is uh, dismissed. If you want to stay in worship, stay in worship, but it's dismissed now. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here.